Hello and welcome to this podcast brought to you by Argus Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. Uh, sustainable aviation fuel oil has emerged uh, as the airline's main route towards decarbonization and an industry which has been reliant on fossil fuel uh, must now learn about technology pathways, feedstocks, regulation and new ways of pricing and accounting aviation fuels. At the same time, the market is facing uncertainty because of the shortage of fuels and high prices. Today, we will touch upon some of these topics with Neste, a company who has placed itself as a key player within the biofuels and the SAF space. And to discuss these topics today, we have here with us Jonathan Booth, Vice President of Renewable Aviation at Neste. Hello, good afternoon, uh, Jonathan. Uh, how are you? Yes, all well. Very good, thank you. I am delighted to be here to talk about one of these very hot topics that I'm sure is going to be with us for uh, quite a while. Fantastic. Oh, hopefully. And, and thank you. And th thank you, uh, uh, Jonathan, for, for coming. Um, Jonathan, um, I'm going to start the, uh, the, post, the podcast uh, asking you uh, what are Neste's plans to build uh, sub-production capacity in the short and in the long term, if, if you can speak about it. And, and could you as well please touch upon um, what technology pathway or pathways uh, will those facilities uh, be using to produce um, biofuels and stuff? Yes. Neste is by origin a, a traditional refiner and marketing company in the Nordic region, especially in Finland. Over 10 years ago, over the last 10, 15 years, has developed real know-how and expertise in, in dealing with difficult oil products and converting them into finished products for use in road transportation and, and, and other, other sectors, and has used this know-how and expertise to now really become a leader and ha have a, as its primary purpose the development of circular solutions and renewable products so that we can truly reduce emissions and address the climate change challenges that we as a society globally are facing. So really now Neste has moved, ha has got uh, some um, crude oil, fossil oil uh, refining, but now is predominantly a company that's focused on using renewable or waste feedstocks and recycling them to use the recycle of carbon in our ecosystem uh, uh, rather than bringing more carbon into our ecosystem. So recycling and circular solutions for renewable products in road transportation, aviation fuel, and indeed also in the chemical sector. And so we've really decided we want to now, and we see a huge opportunity and a need to develop renewable uh, or sustainable aviation fuels for the aviation sector, which is, is one of the hardest to abate uh, sectors alongside marine and, and, and heavy heavy goods vehicles in the transportation sector. So we are we now are producing some three and a half million tons of renewable fuels and we, we plan by the end of next year to grow that to five and a half million tons. Uh, but we're really making a big step forward in terms of our uh, SAF production from 100,000 tonnes worth of capacity this year to 1.5 million tonnes worth of production capacity by the end of 2023, in particular result of investments in Singapore and in Rotterdam. This is using the most commercially developed production technology called HEFA, hydrotreated esters and fasciatis 
fatty acids and uses waste materials, oil-based waste materials and animal fats and use cooking oil. But we are, we are also looking at future production pathways and feedstocks. I think now the whole industry recognizes that SAF needs to be a sustainable aviation fuel needs to be a a key enabler to decarbonizing aviation and and heifer production technology and raw materials is what's available today. But we absolutely need to look at municipal solid wastes, at alcohol, uh, to jet using ethanol, at also then the so-called power to liquid technology where we extract carbon from industrial emissions or from the air uh, and combine it with hydrogen that we've extracted from water using renewable power to combine, create a, a hydrocarbon liquid a fuel that is effectively recycling carbon uh, from, from emissions or from the air rather than from biomass. So these are the production uh, technologies and feedstocks that we envisage developing over the next 10 to 15 years that will build upon the biomass that we're using in as a feedstock in the, um, the so-called heifer production technology today. So we really believe that this is not about one solution. It's about developing different production technologies and British different uh, and then and then being able to leverage different feedstocks so that we can truly bring SAF to become the, the primary source of a liquid fuel used by aviation alongside then new aircraft technologies such as as hydrogen or electric and so Neste uh, in summary will will be producing or have production capacity of about 1.5 million tonnes by the end of next year. And indeed, only uh, last week, we announced a further investment in Rotterdam, which will take us to 2.2 million tonnes worth of capacity. And just to put that into context, one and a half million tonnes worth of production capacity represents roughly 3% of uh, total European demand. And the, the mandate that's being proposed for 2025 for SAF is, is 2%. Now, obviously, not all of our production will come to Europe. Some of it will go into North America, California, and indeed into the Asian region and elsewhere. But it just puts it into context. We've got a huge growth challenge ahead of us, but Neste is certainly investing to, to meet that growth challenge that the industry faces. Thank you. Um, thank you, Jonathan. Um, I, I like actually that you mentioned uh, in this order, uh, municipal solid waste, alcohol to jet and power liquid. Can we can we take that, that this is a natural, there's a natural timeline in, in this order where probably alcohol to jet may, there's a lot of talk about alcohol to jet volumes coming into, into play some point in the later part of this decade. Uh, is that, that sort of correct? Do you agree with that sort of thinking? Yeah, absolutely. The first commercial volumes, but then really uh, we've got to have a very significant acceleration in the in the 2030s beyond heifer production technology. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. And impressive those numbers, those, those that production capacity is impressive. And pretty much in the state alone, we'll be able pretty much to, to meet the, the, the mandate as it stands today. Uh, so uh, that's perfect talking about talking about mandates so the European Union you already touched upon it the European Union fit for 55 mandate proposes to have physicals uh, delivered at all airports which experience uh, certain minimum yearly traffic for for this there will be a period of course there will be a period of transition that allows time to to build the logistics to supply this up to those airports and even to connect some of those airports. Cal, could you elaborate uh, uh, for people not familiarized maybe with the logistics 
how stuff is today transported, delivered to, to the airports, and, and what will be the impact on logistics of the, uh, of the mandate in the future? Yeah, so, so SAF currently is approved for use in aircraft uh, as a result of the global ASTM approval uh, process where the, the aircraft manufacturers and engine manufacturers go into a very detailed research to ensure safety and, and performance. Uh, and it's approved up to a 50% blend with fossil, fossil jet fuel. So one can't currently put neat or pure SAF into aircraft. So it has to be blended first with fossil jet fuel. But once it is blended, it's then effectively approved as a jet fuel and can go into the existing logistics infrastructure, supply chain infrastructure, both, both towards the airfields, airports, as well as actually at the airports. That's the beauty of this solution compared with maybe other kinds of propulsion technologies which require, such as electric or, or hydrogen cells, which require a completely new uh, aircraft and new uh, supply chain infrastructure. This is a, a fuel that can, is a drop-in fuel that can go into the established uh, supply infrastructure pre and on airfield. The real, the real extra work is simply to ensure that we've got uh, well-located uh, blending facilities uh, using, you know, hopefully uh, to a large degree, existing tankage, but converting it for this, this blending operation. And it can then be moved by vessel, by pipeline, by rail or by road to the, to the airports. And, and in effect, it will be moved in exactly the same way as fossil jet fuel is moved today. So in that respect, there are no extra cost once it's blended but i do agree that to start with it's easier to get it into the larger locations i mean if one has to have a a dedicated truck for for the saf delivery to a small regional airport that's currently supplied by trucks anyway it's just easier to f only start doing that once um, a certain uh, large level of, of demand is required for it. I mean, you don't want to be moving to every individual airport 1% of all of your requirements in a separate truck. It does make sense to start with to, to focus on the larger locations where we've got more volume, larger volumes to push through. And I think the EU is talking about a transition period before it requires all airports to take a certain percentage as SAF. And then you know, in other regions of the world at the moment, um, it, there's no mandate as such. Maybe it'll come. It's more around incentives. And so, indeed, their uh, suppliers and airlines can elect to, to really put it into the larger locations. But the, the real key is here, it doesn't require new investment in infrastructure. Okay, thanks. Uh, thanks, Jonathan. I think this is this is clear. Uh, there's always some some questions about how do we blend SAF? How how do we put it in the airport? And actually, it's very simple. It's, it's actually a qualified jet fuel. It's uh, meeting the specs and it can it can be blend up to 50% as, yep. Maybe one thing just to add, it's best to do the blending pre-airfield. So at the moment, it's not permitted by, by the uh, industry standards. It's not permitted to do the blending at the airport. That's not because it couldn't be done there, but it's just it, typically at the airport, you have a more limited number of tanks. And what you don't want is for any kind of 
blending or specification problems to occur at the airport because then then what may happen is that all of a sudden a tank has to be taken out of service and and you may then uh, not be able to supply the aircraft for a period of time so it's much better to do it pre-airfield rather than uh, and 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 to be frank centralize it and get the economies of scale rather than doing it in in, in every airport but but in, in, in essence, the blending is not is not rocket science. You've just got to make sure that you're combining the right kind of fossil jet fuel uh, with the with the with the, the neat or pure SAF to ensure that you meet the specification requirement uh, for it to be uh, certified as jet fuel. Okay, thanks, thanks, uh, Jonathan. It's uh, it's clear. Um, moving a little bit into prices or, or pricing. The airlines they've been they've been under under uh, constraint. I mean, due to the uh, high, very high jet fuel prices uh, and and the very high jet crack and the lack, obviously, uh, the lack of of product. They've been, there's been lack of product shortage uh, of products in some particular locations during during this year. And do you think that that's this situation is having or has had an impact or it will have an impact in the uh, procurement plans of SAF of the uh, of the airlines uh, for the rest of this year? Well, yeah, it's certainly been unprecedented times the the not just in terms of the level of the current uh, fossil jet fuel price but also the volatility day to day. And 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 that's certainly, you know, following on from a difficult covid period it's added further stresses and financial strains to the the airline industry as they seek to recover so that's it's clearly not helping but what it it hasn't changed nevertheless is the the desire and the commitment of the industry to to move on this uh, pathway <laughs> of sustainability and emission reduction and to take on the use of saf and it's certainly also not undermined policymakers, whether in Europe or indeed in the US, where they're talking about uh, incentive schemes um, to, to, to help encourage the use of SAS. And indeed, right now, with the higher fossil jet fuel, indeed, uh, fossil jet fuel price, the, 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 the premium that one has to pay for SAF or the or SAF is no longer three to five times uh, the, the price of, of fossil jet fuel. It's, it's more, more in the two to three times range, depending on which market you're in. But the key here is is to have the, the, the supportive policies that improve, ensure a level playing field uh, for airlines. Um, and, and secondly, also to to work on how we can make sure that the use of SAF is, is supported by the end customers. And, and we're increasingly seeing interest from corporate travel, but also from um, air freight shippers as part of their commitments or their value proposition vis-a-vis -vis their end customers. Uh, to reduce emissions to actually be willing to pay for the incremental cost so uh, this is a key we all need to work together the airlines but equally we as neste and other um, players in this market need to find ways by which we can make it easy for the end customers to pay for the incremental cost so that it's not simply another hit to the margin of the airlines because to be frank you know they, 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 they haven't got the uh, financial um, strength to take that it's got to it's got to be passed through ultimately yeah, so in, in summary, I would say the high and very volatile fossil jet fuel prices at the moment aren't helping, but equally then they're, they're not undermining the commitment to take on SAF. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. Yes, definitely. You, you mentioned policy. Policy obviously is probably needed to fill the price, the price gap somehow between uh, the price of the price of SAF and the price of fossil uh, jet fuel do, do you think that uh, i mean looking forward 
those two products, there's a sort of small debate about whether the price of both should converge as uh, SAF becomes much more viable and there's an, a major number of production facilities and producer, or it will be always the price of the jet fuel running behind because there will be always new, we mentioned at the very beginning of the, pod, the podcast, new feedstocks and new technology pathways that aren't related to, to crude oil. Therefore, they will make their way into the market and there will be always an additional, uh, very much high independent sub price versus fossil uh, jet. You, you see conversion or you see that they, they would follow, they may follow their own different fundamentals. Uh, and so they, so they fundamentally, uh, yeah, fossil jet fuel has a different set of cost drivers to to the production cost of um, uh, SAF, whether it's uh, from biomass waste feedstocks or whether it's from municipal waste or whether it's from um, the capturing of um, of carbon from the atmosphere and and and, and conversion of of of, uh, of, of, of creation of, of of green hydrogen. There is clearly there are different cost drivers, but over the, the long term, I do believe there'll be a convergence. But that doesn't necessarily mean that SAF is going to get cheaper. It uh, it might mean um, because each of these production technologies also has different raw material uh, costs, but also different uh, capital costs. And 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 typically, um, especially if you look at, for example, the the power to liquid technology that I'm sure will come to bear from the 20, 2030 onwards, um, you know, the capital cost uh, is very significant, not just in the production of the liquid fuel, but also in the renewable power generation that's required in order to be able to create the green hydrogen and capture the carbon. Different cost drivers, but I believe over time, we for sure, as we develop the technology readiness level, uh, commercially scale up the uh, and 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 have the learning benefits, we will we will become more efficient. But on the other side of the coin, we don't know what the fossil uh, jet fuel prices will look like in the future. But, but also what we need to do, and this is why I believe there will be a convergence in price, is we need to factor in the cost of the emissions that's currently not built into the fossil jet fuel price. And what you're beginning to start to see is a carbon price being layered on as a result of policy, whether it's the ETS or some other for, uh, scheme, Corsair or otherwise. So gradually what you will see is the price, if you don't use SAF, of fossil jet fuel will not simply be the fossil jet fuel price, but it'll actually be the fossil jet fuel price plus some form of a carbon uh, fee that you are having to pay for. And so I think that that uh, alongside then the, the 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 economies of scale and learning benefits that we'll get from uh, developing a SAF uh, supply industry, that's why over time the, 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 there'll be a convergence. There've been a number of reports done recently, one by Eurocontrol, which has, has, has tried to articulate what are the extra costs versus doing nothing, and actually they diminish over time because of because of this carbon cost that we that we will have to pay for as an industry. Thanks, thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's great that you mentioned uh, uh, there's as well a, a big debate in the in the aviation industry, and the the the, the market is definitely committed to better understand how to price or to offset the price, the cost of not polluting as yeah. much as using a jet fuel. So I'm we wonder whether companies like Neste 
are able to model to to model in their supply demand forecast in the in the projection of prices the impact of airlines that consume stuff and will avoid will avoid uh, emitting those 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 uh, those volumes of carbon so that they will have those carbons carbon offsets and they will as well potentially able to 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 get to to sell their credits the soft credits and get and get incentivated by by potentially by uh, by by regulation or, or by other mechanisms uh, imposed by governments does neste project or include that calculation in the in the future is neste already looking at how to price these elements into the price of SAF? or it will well certainly um when we're making investment decisions to grow the availability of, of SAF and when we're looking at the feedstock costs, we're also then on the other side of the coin looking at what 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 we think the evolution of policy will be. Because that's whether it's ETS carbon pricing, whether it's mandates and penalties if you don't comply with the, the supply mandates or whether it's other forms of incentive like the blender's tax credit that's being talked about in the, in the US at the moment. We, yeah, we, we we absolutely are trying to one, uh, form a view as to what that will mean in terms of a likely market price and whether we think that's going to be sufficient for us to be able to get a return on the, the investment uh, in, in new production capacity, because that's what, at the end of the day, this industry needs. It's about not just Neste, but lots of other competitor suppliers or producers making the, the call to invest. And, and and so, yeah, we're all making a, taking a view on on what we think the the likely uh, market price will be as a result of, of, of policies uh, and and also as I mentioned earlier, uh, what we think um, customers will be willing to be pay in order to meet their own uh, ESG you know environmental uh, and carbon reduction targets. You know, so many companies now are already targeting. Well, airlines alone are targeting. Uh, 10% usage of SAF by 2030, and you've got corporates and other companies who may be even targeting 30% or more uh, to get to net zero by 2040 or, or, or so. It's, it's it's forming a view as to what what the revenue streams will, will look like, but this is uh, far from being a perfect science. Uh, <laughs> there's an awful lot of uncertainties here. Yeah, it does require a bit of courage and, and, and a belief that what you're trying to do as a company is going to get remunerated without necessarily having all the certainty you would, you would normally expect in a multi-billion dollar investment decision. Because at the end of the day, this industry is not going to have to invest billions. It's going to be hundreds of billions to bring on the hundreds of plants that we're going to need over the next 20, 30 years uh, to enable SAF to be not one or two or 5% of all the, the jet fuel demand, but actually 50, 60% or more in, 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 you know, by 2040, 2050. Thank you, uh, thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, definitely only only for the brave. And and with this, we um, we conclude our podcast. And we we thank you, Jonathan, very much for sharing your your knowledge. And uh, we thank you all for tuning into this podcast. And, and and for more information on on Argus Global Refined Products coverage, please visit argusmedia.com/oil-products. Thank you, Jonathan, again. And Pleasure. Stay safe and and see you next time. Thank you. Yeah. Great, thanks.